0: So as we look at this, we begin to think, I want you to catch what I'm saying to you today. And the key is an awakening is different than a revival or a move of God in the earth. The move of God is on emphasis, people, certain people. Awakening affects people, but it also affects government, structures, educations. All those things begin to transform. And I believe that's what the third awakening, we're touching in on it now. When I talk to you about the two different types of, let me read you Joel first, because this was prophesied, right? This was prophesied to us out of the book of Joel, and it's actually the scripture, The, the it was actually the, the prophecy that Peter prophesied after they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, and remember everyone, there was a loud sound because there was a, a huge, uh, whatchamacallit happened on that week, um, we call the, events, the feast, a huge feast, the Feast of Pentecost, actually. And when they came out, there was tens of thousands of people out there. Now, you got to realize they'd never heard a gun go off, a bomb go off, a cannon go off. All they'd ever heard was lightning that was loud or a tree fall. But they heard something louder than any thunder that shook them. And all the people in the city, there was like 20 times the number. There was well over 100,000 in the city at that time came from everywhere, and they started squeezing toward where the upper room was. Peter and the other disciples came out, and everybody was like, what's going on? What's going on? And and they began to speak in in multiple languages, in unknown languages of multiple languages. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then everybody's like, ask a question, like, what is this? It's okay to ask a question, just don't judge. Ask, what is this? Then make your mind up, right? And uh, he said, these men are not drunk as you suppose or as you think. It is yet just nine in the morning. Come on, people. He said, "So let's at least get that. But they are filled with the Holy Spirit of God and the power of God. And and then over 3,000 men plus families gave their heart to the Lord and were baptized that day. Where does that come from? Well, he prophesied about, he also prophesied this. He said this to him out of Joel 2 23 through 30. So, it shall come to pass afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your men will have old, your men, your old men shall uh, have dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also, listen now, on my men, servants, and maid servants. That means every believer it's open to, I will pour out my spirit those days, uh, and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth. So God is no respecter of persons of whom he saves, delivers, and heals, right? But he's pouring out, and he's the same way about giving the Holy Spirit at a whole other level to us. Now, let's go back to this whole thing I talked to you about a few moments ago out of the Great Commission. I feel like the more I've studied in my life the Word of God and grown and received from others as well, that it's really when you have Mark 16, Great Commission version, and you have, you know, Matthew 28, I feel it's like 1A and 1B, and I think if you get this in your heart and your spirit, it will set you up for where I believe we're starting to move into a great awakening with God. I believe it's already been released in the earth. It's a matter of who's, who wants it, who's going to get it. <clears throat> so I'm going to break it out to you. <clears throat> what we've seen in really since the second great awakening, hundred, several hundred years, 200 years ago or whatever it was at Cane Ridge, which brought reformation to schools, educations, government, everything else, politics, all that. It had what both. It had both the presence and power of Holy Spirit to perform whatever individuals needed—salvation, baptism of the Holy Spirit, delivered from demons, healed bodies, healed all of that, filled with the spirit and, and, but it also had the other side where it was not just for the family, the church and the family or your family. It was for nations. And that's what Matthew's gospel is. Mark's chapter 16 is more for the family, the individual that we're here. And I'm not just talking about our immediate family, but the people we influence. Anyone in our little domain we influence is to bring the great commission of God into their life, right? And and what what is that? It says it in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned, <clears throat> and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, uh, it will not by no means harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, let me talk to you some of you here, don't you? Well, you know, I was taught, you know, you, who wants to handle snakes? I don't want to handle snakes either. But Paul got bit on a shipwreck and was going to die by a serpent, and God healed him. We see in the Bible men and women of God poisoned, and God heals them. We see in a lot of our third world countries, and even in this country, attacks come on. It's not like you use it out of pride, but what God is saying, I don't care what comes at you, I'm going to deliver you when you're in my plan and my will, is what he's saying. And, and what he's talking about here, this is more like go into all the world, to the creatures, to the people, go reach in your world around you or other nations, but you're going to individuals. <clears throat> and so now Jesus uh, is his goal is to to get them saved, get them healed, get them filled, right, get them delivered, get them preach the gospel. He said, and signs will follow. So many Christians are looking for signs. The reason they are, they're not really filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, when you're born again, you could say. I'm filled with spirit, of course. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to be immersed in. It'd be like taking a full glass of water and dropping it in a five-gallon barrel of water. You got the Holy Spirit in you for your sake, on you for the sake of others, right? Just wording gets people a lot of times. So as we we think about this, he's given us the command, the initiative. So a, a commission is really a command or an initiative of God or anyone for that matter. But God didn't suggest it. He commands it. He commands it for us to do this. And then we see in Matthew 28, look what it says. It says now that he comes up to the disciples in Matthew 28, uh, and it says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Isn't that something? People that... Saw him raise people from the dead, heal the sick, set captives free, deliver people, demoniacs, all that. And then he even sent them out two by two and by 70s, and they turned the world upside down, were healing the sick and doing all these amazing things. <clears throat> but now they come to this place after, <clears throat> after Jesus had died and rose again. And they doubted. Even when they saw him, they doubted. As a matter of fact, they got all over Mary Magdalene because when she told them, they didn't really believe her. Only one of them believed her. <clears throat> they, 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 and that's why Jesus, uh, the King James says he upbraided them. <laughs> In other words, he let them have it. Like, come on, guys. Matter of fact, what he did, he just walked through the wall instead of the door. And then they're, uh, because he is the door, the life, and the way. But he, he actually did that. And it says, <clears throat> but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority. Say all. all. How much is all? That's what I thought. All, and it's talking about when you say something is all of something, and the the thing you're declaring is all of, so all authority. What what is that? What is that? All authority, all authority has been given to me. Jesus said this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Then he says in Matthew 16 gospel, Talk about the church being born upon this rock. I will build my church. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Right. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. So Jesus came to transfer the kingdom to us because we're his ambassadors. We're his representatives. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in my in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. All things that what I have commanded you, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, religion is the thief of God's power. Jesus said the only thing that can rob me of my power is what? Unbelief. Religion creates unbelief. We're all religious. Bethel's religious to a point. What is it? It means that we have habits and methods and ways we do things. But when we put those habits, methods, and the ways we used to do it in the way of what God wants to do now, then it's negative instead of positive. Rituals are good, you know, the communion, how people get saved. That, that's all good, but what we got to realize is, guys, that, that Jesus could not do many great works in his own city. Why? He said because of unbelief. He just healed a few folks. He didn't turn the city upside down for God. Because even Jesus was limited with people's unbelief, so the only thing that could stop his power moving was our unbelief. He's talking about nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, and do the things, all the things I, I that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Age, Aeon means plural worlds. Now, when we look at this for a second, <laughs> and we, we really begin to hear God and what God has to say and studied in other areas, what things is he teaching them that Jesus teach them? You could take two things he taught them and change you and anyone you're in relationship with forever. Because the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, they were so Sadducee because they didn't believe in supernatural or the resurrection of the dead. They really didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead or supernatural. Kind of like today, you got one movement as you know, one side of the body of Christ believes in everything and crazy and get a little out of whack, got the other people a little dead and a little hanging on until Jesus comes and buckered down because they don't believe in the supernatural. They just hope someday they'll get there. I'm not judging anybody. I've been that before, I know. But what I want you to realize is, what do you teach? The Pharisees ask him about a, what's the greatest commandment out of the Ten Commandments. They were going to get him here, right? And he said, the first one is love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind, right, and body. The second is likened to it. So it'd be a 1A, 1B. The second is likened to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And some of you go, you got some neighbors living in your house that you don't even want to act that way with. We're going to fix that. (laughs) So if we just took those two commands, we could turn the world upside down. And then we go into what he tells us about as far as the actual things, what? when the lost, baptize them. Preach the gospel, when the lost, baptize them. Kill the sick, raise the dead. All. He's given us certain things. That's why he said in John 17, you will not only do the works that I have done, 14. You will not only do the works that I have done, but you what do even greater works than these. Jesus took the limits off. There's no limit. The only limit is based on what we can receive, believe, and obey. How well we receive, believe, and obey. How we believe, receive, and obey. It could be a better way. Believe, receive, obey. If we believe God's word is true, and we res- truly receive it as truth, not as information, but as truth, Jesus said, "Know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free." He said in John four what? You worship me, me, to the lady at the well, Not you don't know how you worship me, but true worshipers worship me, what? In spirit and truth. So you're not going to ever have truth without the agreement of Holy Spirit. And you're really not going to really be operating in the Holy Spirit very well without truth. Mm. So as we begin to think about this, and this is where I want to get you ready for Palm Sunday and get you ready for Holy Week that God is preparing us just like he prepared them and he was telling them, Jesus is saying to them what? Go get them, go win them, go heal them, go save them, go set them free. Be a sign, be a, leave signs and wonders of their deliverance, their salvation, and their healing. As we begin to realize that, we also see, and this is the point I made earlier, he said, go and teach them what I have commanded you and disciple, look, what did he say? The Disciple what? Nations. He didn't say disciple individuals. Now, we know as we disciple individuals, we disciple nations. We have opportunity. We're, we're working toward it. But in the first part of the Great Commission, he's talking about what? Win the lost, set the captives free, get them baptized, saved, healed, filled, all that. This one, he's saying, yeah, do that stuff, but all I commanded you. But also remember, go and, and what? Make nations, disciple nations. So it's not just focusing on you go do your ministry and all the individuals you could hit. Have discernment. Have the spirit of prophecy on your life. You could win one person to the Lord that could change Lexington. It could just be one person nobody else has influence with. One person to the Lord that could turn Kentucky upside down. You could win one person to the world that could turn the world upside down. You don't know the one person that led Billy Graham when he was a teenager to the Lord or the one that led Dr. Summerall to the Lord or who Brother Hagan, whoever it might be. Any great men and women of God, whoever, T.D. Jakes, whoever, they're turn, they turn the world upside down. Why? They turn the world upside down how? They turn it upside down because they have an assignment on their life that's different than yours. We can only operate in the parameters God has anointed us for. Now, I don't think there's any limits of how great we can operate in that specific function, But there's always a specific function in Ephesus. So if all people work on, I can prophesy, I can pray, I operate in word of knowledge and word of wisdom and discernment, you're focusing on a gift. You're not focusing on the production of the gift. God didn't give you to have a gift so you go around and feel like, I got a gift, I got a gift. It's not Christmas our way. Anything he gives you, there's a command attached to it. I can never stop preaching the gospel. I don't have a choice. I had to, when I received the call to preach, I knew it's for life. That doesn't mean that's the only thing I can do, but that's got, always gonna be the main theme of my life, ministering the gospel, because he, he's drawn me that, trained me out, and equipped me out, and, and in other areas of my life as well. As you honor him in the main area or two of your life, he'll give you the other stuff you've been believing, for, right? So it's important for you to understand anytime God blesses you with joy, peace, all that stuff, it's not just for you. It's so you can share it with someone else. Can somebody say amen this morning? Amen. So we're talking about the first part of the commission in Mark. Actually, we wouldn't say the first, but in the Mark's gospel, we're talking about the in, winning the individual, you getting growing, you winning the, and the second one it, we're talking about, Matthew's gospel, chapter 28, it's talking about what discipling nation. That means to train. That means to instruct. That means to impart. That means to grow. That means to multiply. It's hot in here, isn't it? know it's hot in here? I love a full house, though. Look at this place. It's full this morning. I love it. Praise God. Yeah, hallelujah. We're all hot together, right? So in this, here's what I believe in this third awakening. This is not the time. The reason I'm, the reason I'm wanting to break these two initiatives out, a great move of God's great. Does a lot of good things. But a great move of God with a reformation I believe that in this move, we've been trying to force it, change it, press it. Now, we do what we can do to try to get our government to come in line with Jesus' commands, don't we? we? We do, and we're limited in that. But when a great reformation happens, awakening with a great reformation, you put the move of God that changes hearts and minds... That also gives direction, directive to change governments. One of the reasons God is focusing a lot on the 25 and under, that's your future judges, lawyers, governors, presidents, Senate, Congress, educators. So even though we stand for what we believe and we speak about what we believe concerning abortion or marriage or whatever it might be, that's great, but I'm telling you there is a time that is awakening, and if you will stay tapped into it, You can be way over 25 and get the vision revelation of what God's doing if you're in politics or going to be in politics or in education or administration, whatever it is, in churches, whatever. And you can have divine discernment like like a Joseph that that can just be out of the water in certain situations, but you will have favor, wisdom, and revelation to win those, those groups to you. So we don't want to give up our media. We don't want to give up, you know, our educational system. We don't want to give up our government, our structure, right? We, we want to win it. Say, I want to win it. And we do everything God directs us to do, but, man, there are just certain seasons he uncaps special anointings to do special things. And that's what I believe we're moving into. I want to talk to you a few minutes about making an army, and then we're going to pray. Hallelujah. <clears throat> first thing I want to talk about in making an army what to oh, that feels so good, to fulfill, make sure you turn the one on back there for them. There's like three different, they, they want some of this. This feels good, I'm just telling you. I, I'd, almost, I'd almost feel guilty if they didn't get it on for you. I'd feel bad, but I'd almost feel guilty. Uh, say, turn it on. <laughs> Amen. Now, the people online are probably like, what's this crazy preacher doing? So when we talk about prophecy and we talk about what it is to prophesy, there's different levels of prophecy and prophetic. You know, when someone's from an office that carries a heavy mantle, they, they, they carry the office behind it and it's a, it's a larger, more heavier directive. The spirit of prophecy operates with discerning the Spirit's word of knowledge too, but it's more on a, a lamb of God will meet you where you're at with your faith. That's why it says word of knowledge. What is a word of knowledge? Uh, 1 Corinthians 11 teaches, it teaches us that it's one of the nine gifts of God's Spirit. And it's to build and edify the body and to set up the structure of the kingdom. And out of this it, what? Like word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Those are the revelation gifts. Discerning spirits where you can read someone's heart and mind, and God will give you a word about their life that there's no way you would have known it unless God gave it to you. And then when you speak it out, it actually becomes prophecy to their life and you have the Word of Wisdom that operates the same way. Word of Knowledge is fragments of God's mind about where they're at now or where they've been. Word of Wisdom gift is about fragment from God's mind of where they can go if they obey God. Discerning of spirits triggers all that. So really, prophecy, the spirit of prophecy will operate in any spirit-filled believer that is, that is open to it and in the structure of God, but now, I want you to look at this in John 3, verses 5 through 8, with Jesus. Nicodemus was asking about salvation. And what do you say? He said, Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit. Hmm. Talking about what? Water? The wash, you can say the wash of the word, but really I believe water is talking about born as a human. You gotta be got to be a human that's lost, born by water, which represents us and spirit. So it says. Uh, unless someone is born of water and spirit, or you could say the word of God, but also Holy Spirit. Either way, uh, born of water and and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God unless both of those are happening. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said that to you. Why? Because Nicodemus has already said you told me i got to be born again to hear the king, see the kingdom of God. You told me i got to be born again to go into the kingdom of God. I'm an old man, probably in the 70s or 80s. My mother's been dead many years. How can I go back up into her womb to be born again, to receive the kingdom of God? And that's what Jesus is telling him. Flesh is flesh, but spirit is spirit. Hmm. You must be born again, he said. The wind blows where it wishes. What's he talking about he's referring to Holy Spirit as the wind of God. the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. in other words, he said, being born again and second uh, second Corinthians uh, five seventeen I think it is says that when you're born again, you become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away, all things. How much is all? So everything, all things become new. That you have an opportunity to start renewing your mind to God's will out of Romans 12:1 and two. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind to pr- prove what is God's good, acceptable and perfect will. So that is, your, that is what Jesus is talking about. You, you don't you mean I look saved to a lot of people, but when you truly give your heart to God and you have forgiveness of your sins, and then you ask Jesus to come to your heart and you believe He rose from the dead and receive His atoning blood and make Him Lord of your heart, you're born again. John ten, I mean uh, Romans ten, tells us as well. So, so you're born again. You're, we call you blood ball. You're a child of God, and you've moved out of the natural family into God's family tree and His inheritance. You're a, a brother or sister, a little brother or sister of Jesus at that point, basically. And what we see in this, guys, is, is Nicodemus is doing what many of us do. We, we, you know, we have to wrestle. One of the hardest things I ever did was get saved. I was 21. I'd already totaled three cars, partied out of two colleges, holding a flag on a county road in tennis shoes in the winter before I got smart. And I was partying all night at a, a housing development, low-income development for my 21st birthday, getting stoned, had a backslidden Church of Christ preacher preaching to me, who was blown out of his mind? I don't know what Robert was on that night, but he's on a lot. He's in his 40s, lost his family, had a good job, got hurt, lost his family. So I got another man raising my daughters. I got another man parked in my car, sleeping in my bed that I paid for. Her. You don't want to be like me, and it hit me. He said, "Dalton, it's like turn 21. I'm, he's in his 40s. Why do you want backslidden preacher? You, you're going to end up just like me." And I thought to myself, "Heck no." But I couldn't communicate well at that time. Now, I just sat and looked at him. And then all of a sudden, we sobered up. And we shouldn't have been sobered up for two days, probably, of all the stuff we were doing. And he spoke to me as clear as Billy Graham about salvation. My mom had been praying, my mom, everybody had been praying and believing for me. I'd had to move back into her house, in my old bedroom, making seven bucks an hour or something, you know, trying to get through. But this backslidden church of Christ preacher. sowed a seed in my heart. Now when I got home and mom knocked on my door for church, is like Saturday night. I got home Saturday, like early Sunday morning, and she not, honey, you want, you said you go to church with I said, Mama, I promise I'll go tonight. I promise I'll go, I'll go. I, I just gotta, no, it's like a Monday or a Tuesday because church is on Wednesday night. No, it was, it, was, it was Sunday night. So it was like Sunday morning. So anyway, that married not matter to you, I guess. It just I like to keep it clear in my heart. As you get older, you do things like that. You know, you got to read, oh, what was that? So I went to church with her Sunday night. There were about 17 adults in a good little Nazarene church with an amazing man of God, Pastor Art Hobbs, preaching his heart out to 17 adults. I'm sitting halfway back with mom, that old wooden pew, you know, with a runner, a, a lime green runner over a hardwood floor with a little old kneeling altar at the front. You could have squeezed 120 people in the building, maybe in the sanctuary, 150, maybe 17 of us. I love Pastor R, but I don't know what he preached. I was about to tell, I, I, if I was Hulk, there would have been no bench because I would have crushed that. But I'm sitting there like both hands, you know. And and I got real smart because I would have backed out and I looked at my mom, I said, at the altar call, will you go up with me? Yes, at that point. She had I gave her license to drag. Some of us just got drugged to the Lord, right? Not through drugs, but drugs, right? So she pulls me out by the time, my, woo, hallelujah. By the time my feet hit the lime green carpet, I ran to the altar. I ran to the altar. And I cried out to God. He delivered me of all addictions. Now, it doesn't always happen that way for everybody, but for me, it did. I mean, any drug I was doing about everything, you could imagine, I I tried to quit for years and couldn't. I was free that moment. The sky looked different. The moon and stars looked brighter. You know. But see, everyone, every one of us have a unique experience. Yours may not be dramatic. It may be very simple. You're like, man, but you know it was God. No one can take that away from you. When you know God moved in your life and you're a child of God, somebody could preach something goofy or whatever, they, you've tasted God, right? Once you taste that part of God, same way with baptism of the Holy Spirit when I received that several years later, nobody could convince me that God doesn't baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Nobody. Same way with miracles, signs and wonders, you know, we've seen in here, Abby grew two inches when God healed her back in front of us, scoliosis. I think yeah, Abby's here somewhere, is she? But she, she's healed and grew two inches, went back to the doctor next week with severe scoliosis. We've had blind eyes open, deaf ears open. Why? So you can never convince me that God's not a healer. He's a miracle worker. He's a deliverer. He's a savior. And so Jesus, in a few short sentences, is trying to help Nicodemus, who had educated himself as one of the, the greatest educating, uh, religious educators of his time, right under Gamaliel, and it's hard to convince somebody like that when they've been taught so long wrong, <laughs> right? But say, I'm being taught right. Say, I'm being taught right. So wind is amazing, right? Wind can blow a boat, blow a ship. You know, sails. Wind can, it can blow things and cool you down, or blow, blow in a nice soft rain to water your garden, or to water, you know, your around your house, whatever. But a wind can also tear out, be destructive, like a tornado or something. Like, and just the wind of God. So whenever we talk about the wind of God, it can be a furious wind or a loving wind. God, now, God doesn't do those things or cause those things, but what happens to the Holy Spirit is, in other words, I'm talking about in your heart, like a tornado, if you allow Holy Spirit to tear out addiction, like a tornado just hit that stronghold, that building in your heart, you know, to tear out fear, to tear out loneliness, like a just blow it out. It could just blow it out of your life, annihilate it out of your life, unbelief. I think I said addiction. Anything like that, right? Not feeling love, Just the, the wind of God could come into your heart and, 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 and annihilate any of those things that's robbing you from God's best for your life. Yes. But also, Holy Spirit can list and blow on you and bring things on you to make you feel peace and joy and healing you've never felt. Blow the wind of his spirit on you to move at work, to move in your ministry, to move in the hospital, to move in your home, your family. So the wind, and he said, the wind blows where it wishes. I spend more time on the directive of what I'm to preach on the weekend than I do what I preach. Somebody like, well, I guess so. I could tell that. Because I've got thousands of sermons, and I always do new sermons, most time always. Or combine or whatever. But but I always want to know, God, if it's to one person, what are you saying? If I'm preaching to one person, I don't care how many 100s of see it on YouTube or whatever or Facebook or anything, I don't care. God, what are you saying to that person? I, I, I'd i rather, you know, be in your will and everybody not understand me, but one person to get what God wanted them to have to impress everybody and they're shouting my name, man, as an office day, man, that's awesome, that's great. Pastor, preach the house down. Now, sometimes you get both, and that's fun. But my preference is always God just tell me. Even though I'm a sinner like everybody else, I'm saved by the grace of God, and I'm not perfect just like everyone. I'm not a sinner. I, I, I do sin. When you're born again, you're no longer a sinner saved by grace. That's wrong doctrine. You're saved by grace, and you do sin because you're not Jesus, but you repent quickly, and the more you repent, the less you sin. That's the way it's supposed to work. So I'm like you. I'm human. And sometimes I have to quiet stuff that I battled all week or dealt with in life, family, business, ministry, and I got to quiet my, God, what are you saying? God, what are you saying? And the Holy Spirit is in this room right now in such a powerful, powerful way. He's wherever you are watching today in such a powerful, powerful way. And his spirit, when it blows, it produces a born-again spirit. It produces a new creation. It produces victory in God for eternity Wow, I can't get to Ezekiel. I was going to take you to Ezekiel 37 where the prophecy came back to Elijah to what? To prophesy to the dead, dry bones. And when he began to prophesy, the Lord commanded him. The bones came up in alignment, right? Sinew, the joints and stuff that connected. Flesh came up. And then he said, now receive the four prophesied, and he prophesied each stage with God that God gave him. And then he said, now prophesy to the winds, the north, the south, the east, and the west, the north, and in other words, cover the, the globe with it. And when he prophesied, the winds of the Spirit came in, and it said, once you do that, you do, it's gonna raise up a mighty army, a mighty army of God's children. And that was a prophecy originally fulfilled to the Jewish folks, the Jewish people, where they were scattered all over the world. But I think it's 1948 they got to come home. And and the U.S. was the main reason they got to become a nation again. So it's no longer just all Palestine. It became Israel, and you have Palestine over here. And what happened? There was an average for many decades of 10,000 Jewish people and family uh, people moving home every month for, I don't know, probably more than that now. But it just continued from that point. And it's one of the greatest nations on the earth, even though it's one of the smallest nations. But that was a prophecy for them, and that was fulfilled. But what I love about it, the old covenant, many times, is a type and a shadow. of You learn way, the ways God moves. And I believe one of the ways he's moving right now is uncapping wells of revival in different locations and places. I believe he's uncapping, and what's that mean? When that water attracts the wind, and the wind and the water gets moving together, man, look out, nothing can stop it. And I believe the wind, The spirit of God and the water of his word is washing over you right now. I believe the logos, the sum total of God's personality, purpose, and plan for your life. I believe God's rhema, the promises from his plan and his word for your life. I believe it's blowing over you right now. I I know that I know there's not one person here that will not be healed if you will receive it. If you will receive healing in your body, uh, if it's a bone, heart, lung, blood, whatever it is, fear, anxiety, depression, you will be free in Jesus' name if you'll just receive. The Spirit of God on your life right now. He's hovering over this room. He's hovering where you're sitting at home. I don't care if it's three weeks after this message. God's word shows up wherever he wants to, when he wants to. Once he marks a spot, he he never leaves it. Right now, what do you need? Just raise your hands and close your eyes before God. Now more than ever, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now more than ever, you need the Holy Spirit, parakletos, the comforter, the one called alongside you. Right now, you need the word of God to stand on like a rock more than ever. You need spirit-filled, saved, spirit-filled men and women of God in your life that operate so that they can love and help and guide and mature you and grow you in the things of God so you can move beyond the problems you have. You'll have more problems, greater problems, but you'll be a greater problem solver for God, and you will accomplish more on this planet.